Is the grass always greener on the other side? No matter what you do, right? Like you can always more often than not think of a scenario where if something was just this much different or if I would have done that, man, that would be the life. That would be the situation, right? That would be the idealistic scenario. We get to a point in this podcast where we really decipher between what it means to believe the grass is greener, if you believe it at a fundamental level, well, yeah, you can maybe end up in a pretty depressive state, right? No matter what you do, the grass is always greener elsewhere. And also how to reframe that thought so that you can be grateful for what you've accomplished. And how to do that without promoting complacency. (laughs) So... Uh, as you know, if you listen to these podcasts every week, we get there in a very roundabout way. So please bear with us throughout this podcast as we take you to the debate on or the realization of the grass being greener or not greener, depending on what side you're on. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Weekly Call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible that our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got myself, Austin, out in Elmer, Quebec, Amher out in Etobicoke, Ontario, and John Morgan III out in Kelowna, British Columbia. A uh, lot of uh, a lot of on? pre-podcast uh, mischief going on here. John's just was successfully got under Amher's skin. It's quite entertaining. <clears throat> uh, guys, how you, how are we doing tonight? I'm fantastic. I don't think John got under my skin. When you say that, it makes it sound like I was angry. Mm. I was laughing the whole time. Yeah, and I know, I know, but. He's, he irked you. He definitely irked you. No, it's, it's uh, like that little brother annoyance. He's playing the little brother <laughs> role excellently. It's like, you know, it's like your mom's trying to like have a serious conversation with you and he's behind, like you're looking at your mom and he's behind your mom, like, you know, like taking his pants off or like mooning you or something. So you, you like break character. It's amazing. That's what was yeah. happening for sure. Uh, yeah, it was new with you, Austin. What's new with me? Um, well, uh, business is running well. Uh, sales are now at a fairly consistent rate. Uh, booking in about three to six roofs every week, which is nice. Hit, hit a little rhythm pace, which is good. Last. How uh, much is that in revenue? Two, in in a scale range? Uh, thirty to sixty thousand a week. Okay, hold on, hold on. This this wouldn't be the weekly call if we didn't casually. 
call you out for three to six. That's a hundred percent increase. Is it three? Yeah, no, I'm just <laughs> saying there hasn't been a week where it's been less than three and there hasn't been a week oh, where okay, it's been okay, more okay, than okay, six. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I'm just setting myself up for like, yeah, hey, you know that the 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 cost to paint your house is going to be anywhere between five to fifteen thousand. I'm going to guarantee it, right? So you're you're trending for a million bucks, dude. Yeah, more like uh, at this point, more one point five. But we also start production in a month, and so I'm really I'm really the curious to be see nuts. one point five handle. Uh, yeah, that would be pretty nuts for a first year franchise for sure. Um. What's but I mean, it's pretty early Ad- in the game. Adel. Sorry. Other than Adel, what's the record? Uh, the the first in, in the first year of the franchise existing, the top person did one point one or one point two, I think, just shy of one point two. Yeah. Yeah, but th- that's the dangers of revenue because it doesn't translate. That, oh, that sounds course, like a yeah. lot. I just I just had no idea how to think about. Well, it's that. yeah, no, and, and and the thing is with we all come from the painting world, right? So we're familiar with the moving parts of a painting business in terms of how you can maximize profitability based on the, the variables that you got going on. Um, with roofing, there's just so much more at play at all times, right? There's more materials. There's more, there's a larger scope of work. There's a larger liability to the home. There's just more moving parts. And so even if you set out to make the same amount of profit, there's just simply more room for entropy. Uh, in in your day to day operations, more room for, um, well, I would say yeah. mistakes. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it's me learning how to run the business too, right? So maybe maybe I'm wrong there. I I don't know. Like I feel, I feel like there's differences in terms of how the work gets done that makes it somewhat more difficult to manage. But that's that's my granted. Like I haven't done a full roofing? season. I haven't done a full season of production yet. Um, but ne- nevertheless, sales have kind of hit a point of consistency, which is great. And then uh, interviewing uh, roofers and subcontractors for this summer as well. So that's I started that uh, just under two weeks ago, and that's going that's going well. Like it's interesting how you. I feel sometimes like I'm I I'm almost doing Amher's work a little bit, like when I'm cold calling. Uh, subcontractors and and some roofers from roofing ads I find myself running into people who are currently experiencing challenges <clears throat> running their own roofing business right or, or trying to go from being a roofer to running a crew or something right and I, I, I and just because I know Amher so well and what he does um, or what you do Amher I feel like I oftentimes take the conversation there that's a little bit more like, hey, what are your goals with that? How's that going? Whereas like other roofing companies that are calling these people are not asking those questions, right? Like, oh, what are your challenges? You said last year was pretty dry for you. You know, in my head, I'm thinking home improvement's never been higher in demand. I really want to know how that's being experienced, right? So I'm actually curious. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm starting to get a little a little amuse-bouche for how your life is with calling contractors, Amor. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and I always cite the uh, the study done by Harvard like two years ago or three years ago. I think I mentioned this on the podcast, but ninety five percent of contractors in the United States uh, are just a one man show. Insane. Yeah. Ninety five percent. Yeah. 
Well, could think about it. They're all really damn good at their trade. Yeah. But there was never a moment where they learned the business side of things. And that's just literally just what we do. I, I just, I can't help you with your trade. I can only help you with your business. <clears throat> and so that's why I've, I've always been excited about this. And yeah, it's always tough, man. Cause like <clears throat> there's all these barriers uh, mindset wise from their past family problems, how they view the world. Hmm. Um, the biggest, if you were to ask me, Amber, what's the biggest characteristic that can maybe foreshadow a contractor escaping that loop? It's it's probably the basic concept of I am respon I am one hundred percent responsible for everything in my life. That is the mm -hmm. most rare mindset that just exists randomly in the wild. I yeah, but do, but don't you think that's a rare thing? Period. Not just within the contracting world. Totally. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. For sure. But so, like, Amber, can you give me an ex like? I, I do want to elaborate on that a little bit further because I think that that you kind of glossed over that and people are like, oh yeah, but you know, a hundred percent responsible. But what is that like? It goes so deep, right? Like Man, the market, I, yeah. the market's not great. It's like, well, that's not responsible, right? That's not a hundred percent responsible or accountable. Yeah, I can pull up my call notes for like the four hundred calls that I've done, and consistently, there's like. Um, one of the biggest themes that I've seen recently is nobody wants to work. Everybody wants to collect CERB. Mm -hmm. That is the universal status quo right now in the, in the, in it's the like, uh, I forgot the, the, the right word for it, but it's like this invisible target that everybody's agreed to choose. Mm, yeah, yeah it's very word? interesting. You say that because you know, it's interesting. I almost feel like I fell victim to that mentality a little bit. Uh, at the end, end of last year, even starting this year, I was like, yeah, like it seems like no one wants to work. But then as the year has progressed, I've realized that's absolutely not the case. It's there's many people that are readily able to work and want to work this year. Um, and there's it's if anything, yeah. it's not any different than any other year. Yeah, yeah. want to work and people, you know, um, John, starting wages are yeah. higher, but they're not exactly like out of control or anything like that. And uh, I ha I've actually had no like, you know, recruiting has not been like a a problem you know like it you know it's it's you know is it easier to find customers than it is employees sure but i have yet to ever have it not be that way for the most part thankfully you need less employees than customers <laughs> thankfully yeah yeah thankfully. yeah <laughs> yeah um, so whenever i'm working with like a contractor the first thing i do is like get them up to speed on the mindset that we have which is like mm. confirmation bias uh the dangers of feedback loops beliefs stories rackets How that just becomes a process of natural selection for whether they'll digest your course well too right because if they're just not getting or they're not clicking or they're not interested in looking that deep then maybe you kind of just are like oh this wouldn't work maybe, Amber, right? what's no. the what's the end game for these people if they don't change if they don't change like let's say like they what do you mean they don't change like at what yeah, point like, did like they see my yeah, ad like they you, keep like going or, no, or like call you, them yeah like you call yeah you call up you know ricky you know, like, hey, Ricky, you know, you run a, you know, XYZ business and, uh, you know, you're a talented tradesman. You know, he, you know, he says all the generic stuff of, yeah, I know I've been struggling this last few years. You know, I feel like we had to, you know, because of COVID, of course, you know, you know, things have been tough and had to take on a lot of debt and things like that. And, you know, um, you know, my wife, my wife's hit hard too. And, 
you know, and, and our, we're not in the best physical shape. And so, you know, we were kind of concerned about, you know, going out and, you know, because COVID's, you know, fake, but also really serious at the same time. And, you know, you, you can go down the, the whole list, right? And they say, yeah, I know I am. I, I can't really buy your course. It's too expensive. You know, I just, you know, what's the end game for that person? Like, what's like, what's that path look like? Do you know? Like, if it's like someone oh, so let's say painted, I know what the path looks like. It looks like they're like rotting trim. Yeah. <laughs> um. Just just follow just follow the money. So, Angie's list, which owns Home Advisor, which owns Home Stars, uh, I think is worth like three point four billion dollars. The reason it's worth three point four billion dollars is because it promises people to generate leads for you. Hmm. Right. So, if you knew how to generate your leads, you knew how to sell and how to price properly, you would never use Angie's list, Home Stars. Or home advisor. So one path is a lot of these guys end up spending money on shiny objects. Angie's list, home stars, uh, and then they're gonna get one day an, a, a very good ad about why they need a website. Everybody, they all have a fancy website that gets no clicks. Then they make an Instagram page, and then which is completely useless for leads. No idea. I'm willing to challenge anybody on the on the efficiency of an Instagram page. Um, and then and then they're like, well, for contracting businesses specifically, and home service based businesses, of course. Yeah, like I would lump contractors and home service business owners that I would chat to. Sure, for the sake of generating leads, one hundred percent. And then and then they're like, oh, I definitely need like a truck. And then they'll get like a fancy logo. And then. They'll reach the point where they can't find any work. How much? So, how much money do you think at this point? So, like, just from where you just started to, you know, so they got the website, the Instagram. Oh, probably like thirty thousand down the, the drain. Yeah. Okay. Like thirty to fifty thousand down the drain. I had a very like insane phone call with an individual, who I'll remain anonymous, but is extremely valid for the, your question. I chatted with them a couple of days ago, and. Uh, let me read you the notes. Isn't that wild how if you gave even a semi-competent student works operator 30 grand at the beginning of the year to just go do what they can with their business ver- yeah. versus what this guy has done with the 30,000. Like the, the, the allocation of capital is just so drastic. Yeah. So check check this out. Um, he's been so this individual, we'll call him Ricky. He's been doing this for five years. Um, in the United States, you can have like either somebody who's a W two employee, which means they're on payroll, yeah, or you can ten ninety nine people, which means you subcontract them. You can subcontract or sub, right? Exactly. So he has two people that he just subcontracts for. He's a general contractor from Iowa. Uh, over 10 years of experience in, in the trade. His goal is to have world domination. That's the first word he like gave me. He's just, he wants the world domination. And then he explains that for 2022, his goal is to get himself above the water and that he had a couple of rough years. So then I, you know, I dug deeper and he told me that he's in debt. He has two mortgages, a truck, credit cards are maxed, and his wife's car. And I straight up asked him, how much in debt are you? He said a quarter million dollars. And I'm like, what's your US. plan? You, you're not, yeah, US. 
Um, his goal is he wants to pay off the truck so it's off like the loans, and then he wants to declare bankruptcy. Um, he's not subbing out. Um, and he <laughs> used to- That's crazy. Could you imagine if like you like read a book one day and it's like the man who conquered the world? First step, pay off truck. Step two, declare bankruptcy. <laughs> it's crazy, like, I know. How did he do it? <laughs> I, I feel so bad, man, because it's like these yeah. things seem so simple to us because we've been so lucky to be exposed to write books mm-hmm. and people who care no, about no, us. No, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's an information gap there on that one. Yeah. So here's the – you asked about the inevitable, John. Um, the, the inevitable is months go by when they're not making money and they accrue this debt. And then every now and then they're landing these jobs that they're barely making any profit on. And there's two things that happen. One, they, uh, the old adage of as an entrepreneur, you should never give up and you should always keep going. They like hold on to that and then mix it with their ego. So mm, then they spend, they spend. Man, t- what a yeah, oh, yeah, potent yeah. cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. So then for 10 years plus, and I've talked to some of these guys, some of them have been on the tools and are still on the tools. The oldest guy ever who I called, who was on the job site, actually like swinging a hammer, was 76 years old. And he's like, yeah, I've been trying to like get off the tools for like 40 years. So they hold on and they basically have this like job where they're making fifty to $65,000 a year uh, just paying themselves for being on the tools. There's no profit going back to their business. That's one way that that ends up. Second, the second solution, the second uh, inevitability is they can't even find they, they do find work, but they can't find employees or are refusing to figure out to figure out like employees, and they just end up folding because another business that's way better than they are uses them as a sub, and they're doomed to be a subcontractor or an employee for the rest of their life. That's the trajectory that I have observed over the past two years of speaking to these individuals, where I ask them questions about their current situation. And I have a very important question and a set of questions when I'm having these conversations. Uh, one of which is, if nothing, what I'll be like, Ricky, what would your life look like if nothing changes and you kept doing what you're doing now forever? And I can cite by heart the answers. I'll be miserable. I'll be depressed. My wife would divorce me. My kids will be ashamed. I'll have nothing to show for it. I'll never buy a house. I'll die. My back, my back will break. Um, I'll get my favorite one that has resonated unanimously that I started including in my, uh, ad copy is I'm afraid of being buried with my steel toe boots on that universally resonates with 95% of the industry. It makes me genuinely upset, like on a humanitarian level that that is the reality. And, and there's, there's, that's Austin, what you just explained is what I experienced after my 500k year. It's like, it I felt like there's of... a little bit of guilt. I'm like, I want to, sh- like, what would happen if I shared some of this information? It's kind of interesting, though, if you think about it, like, it, it also mm. kind of darkens the mood a little bit when you consider that homeowners, I mean, it, it, it's not that they're purposely doing this, there's no like malicious intent. But effectively, homeowners are being subsidized by this person's happiness and their well-being. 
Say that again. I didn't understand. Yeah, like I didn't understand home, that. Like when they're being subsidized? Yeah, like when homeowners hire these one-man shows that are mispricing their jobs and like they're just really not running a good business, that homeowner is being subsidized in one way or another. Oh, my God. By this person's like, in a, like inability to – like yeah. I don't know. Like it's just – Wow. I it's never pretty dark. thought of it that way. You know what I mean? Like, I, and, and obviously it's not like a malicious intent, but because I, I, I it's just the reason why I bring this up is because – Amra, when you were describing all of this, I was just thinking back, like, like I did a quote over the weekend and it was one of those classic, you know, we're like three times the, you know, that guy's price kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happens to me a few times. It is always... Yeah, it doesn't happen all the time, but every once in a while. And, yeah, once in a while. And, um, and it's funny because I, I remember saying to the lady, I said, you know, I was like, it's almost cruel to hire the guy at that price. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, because like... I, I'm like, he's basically like, even if he's a one man, because it was like such, you know, he's like, it was literally like, you know, like I was eight, he was two kind of thing. Like, I, and I was like, I was like, I, like, I know how much paint you have to buy and like things like that. Like this guy's going to be working like, you know, less than what I would pay him as a painter. Like it's kind of, it, it's pretty cruel really. Like that if like, if you hire him at that price, like it's, it's, it's almost torture on his end, you know? And obviously the, the, it was kind of me almost just like, it was like 5 PM on a, you know, on a Saturday, like I was too tired. Like I wouldn't normally like say that. <laughs> But you I just took a very interesting angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I remember her being like, I guess so. You know, like Rare she was like, angle. who the fuck is this guy in my house? Like, get out, basically. Like, yeah. But I just, but, but Emma, when <laughs> yeah. you're saying this, though, like, you know, it's 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 kind of interesting, right? Like, when homeowners hire these individuals, it, I don't know if you necessarily consider, it's like, you know, it's like when, like, when you buy your iPhone, you kind of know there's child slavery involved, but you're like, ah, it's kind of okay, you know? It's like, when you hire these single man shows, it's like, oh, you're hiring like, oh yeah, his kids aren't going to university. His wife's going to probably divorce him. Like, it's like, that's what you're hiring. I don't know. It's just kind of like when you like. Yeah. Two, it, two like, out of three, two out of the three people that I've, uh, of all contractors that I talk to, and this is like, it's, it hasn't dipped below the 50, 50, but two out of three people that I talk to who reach out for support have gone through a divorce. Yeah. That's also yeah. another just like interesting. Many of which also have kids. Yes, yes. To to the point where it's actually salient enough data that I've collected over the past. I'm just like kind of giving away my secret sauce of like some of my competitors are listening in. But like I, I I'm gonna start targeting because Facebook, you know, shout out Zuckerberg. Yeah, I can start targeting chasing. people yeah. who are divorced, specifically men who are divorced, to see. Yeah, some of my I guess because that's the traumatic event that that they'd be willing to change, right? Yeah, and there's always like subgroups, you know. But it's uh, the the one call where it really it just really struck was this guy in um, hmm. he was he was in Ontario and he can only talk to me at nine thirty p.m. at night, and he was explaining how this business was really working, but he didn't know how to get off the tools. He was making like thirty thousand dollars a month, hmm. but the way he said it was, I have no personal life. He's like 32 and he like, he can't date. He's, he, he actually works uh, from 8 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. And I'm like, do you ever feel like you're just being led by fear? He's like, yes. So what, kind, why, of, what kind of trade does he do? Sort of curiosity. He's a, he's a general contractor. Oh, okay. Yeah, he does renovations, full, full home renovations. And um, yeah, it was just like, it was like, here's this guy and like he, he jumped on Zoom and like he's in his apartment and you could tell he doesn't spend much time in his apartment. There's no lights on in his apartment. Just like his face. He's like ungroomed. Such a nice guy, man. 
such a kind heart. Like at one point he got really emotional, but he's like really fully trapped. Um, and it's uh, just out of curiosity, was yeah. he saving his money or was it kind of being spent? Oh, so here, he's making, but he has no cash flow management. Mm. So he's using the next deposit to pay for his payroll for his guys and materials. So he actually just had like a thousand bucks in the bank. No, I get that part, but but if he's making thirty k a month, I mean, at some point, do you think that that would clear? I've asked him. No, about not it. necessarily. Yeah, just, just, just general contracting, then, man, is a, is a different beast. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't fall into that. No, awesome. yeah. it's it's not. It's not. I'll just be honest with you. It, it's a different trade. No, cash cash flow management is is unanimous across all businesses. You just have to be better at cash flow management as a general. Contract. My only point was that general contracting, in large part, involves the the ordering of large amounts of material, and that needs to be paid for so far in advance with cash that you have sometimes aren't able to earn material deposits on, and sometimes you just. Yeah, but like somebody like like cash. yeah, but somebody like Brett, like our big one of our biggest success stories, who does like a quarter million a month now. Mm-hmm. Like that was the first things we told him, and like we got yeah, his, we his, his fiance enrolled. It's like you're no longer using like your line of credit to buy materials. Like you just have well, to. Well, that was to even the a like, big need, re- yeah. Well, that was even a big realization that I had with like when I was talking to Tristan. I realized that you know, for as great as a business as Tristan runs. Because he was never in a like would say like a, a a like a true ownership role, as in his paycheck literally was the profits. If you you know what I mean, because mm-hmm. he was being paid as a as an, an employee. Cash flow was like never really like on, like a concern for him. Like I mean, like using a line of credit was just totally normal, right? Or um, like the fact that there was no money left over for the business, like for retained earnings, was like totally like not not like it wasn't it, there wasn't a problem there, right? So, but it was interesting, like talking to him about this, and 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 then him actually realizing, holy shit, like we, <laughs> this actually is a problem. If I want, if I'm gonna, because now he owns a part of the business, it's like this is totally a problem, right? One of my favorite realizations that I want to get contractors to f- discover for themselves, I asked them, how much did you like? Give me a previous job that you did, and then I talked to this guy from uh, Elmer, Ontario, who does uh, metal mm, roofs. Different, different Elmer. But different El- yes. Elmer, Ontario. Uh, does metal roofs. And I asked him, well, uh, he did like a $12,000 roofing job. And I'm like, okay, Ricky, if you were to pay yourself, like how much would you pay another roofer to do the work you did? And he's like, oh, like easily like 30, 40 bucks an hour. So take all that money that you said you quote unquote made and subtract all the hours that you spent on that job and like with at 40 Mm. bucks an hour. And the profits just like evaporated there's like, mm. there's like nothing left so i'm like okay well you your business is not making any money your your business is not profitable so it's like having people realize that being an owner and being an employee are two different things from a profit mm-hmm. perspective well so even the realization that net, in- net income is not cash flow either is pretty pretty shocking for a lot of people yeah yeah man so it just really excites me because uh I, I, I'm in the right place here with, with, mm-hmm. with trade arc and it's like, there's just like an infinite market and I just have to, and I'm, and I am getting better and better at talking to that market and it's starting to like slowly like snowball. So. Amor, I honestly think 
yeah i'm really excited one of my i I was just thinking about this because i have uh like for example i have an interview set up for tuesday where i'm interviewing this guy who runs a six-man crew um and obviously i need to vet him a bit more to see what type of work he's done in the past but it sounds like from generally speaking i'm getting the impression that he does good work he was a pretty open book and he was willing to send me addresses and reviews and whatnot okay but he was like, man, I'm I'm really worried about my guys this year, man. Like, we don't have enough work lined up for the year, and I just really want to make sure we're we're covered. And you know, he was like almost thankful. Like he he didn't want to come at it like he was just throwing everything he had at me, but he was just saying, hey, thanks for calling, essentially, right? And I just thought, man, like I I'm really into the business development side of Rydell. Right. My goal with this company isn't to um, be a roofing contractor until the end of time. Right. But when I look at this guy and he seems like quite a reasonable and intelligent guy, I want to refer people like that to you. Like I want him to uh, through working with me on a on a few roofs this year, we start chatting about what he wants to do with his business, actually help him find the tools that he needs to to go and run that business like he's got six guys that work with him that you know roofing's not easy man like you know to get six guys bought in with you to work with you every year consistently um in this type of market is insane like clearly he has this really good ability to to lead and gain commitment from people but it's like he's just the possibilities for people like that is like to me i see it and i'm just like there's you're on the brink and to him it looks like there's um 10 marathons he has to run to get there right mm. but i i would love to start depending on the type of people yeah. of course r- refer at least three people to you this year that who end up being your clients which i think would be so interesting right they'd go full circle right they they would be cold called by me who's trying to hire them as a subcontractor 12 months later they're working with you that would, that would I, I would love that, man. And I, I want to shout out, um, there's somebody, I want to make sure I pronounce his last name correctly. Um, we had a listener, Julian Far Farinacio. Oh, yeah, I know who that is. Jer- Julian F- uh, Farinaccio. I think Farinaccio. I'm getting that right. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. He, he, he listens to the podcast and okay, he, cool. he, uh, he started working with TradeArc.com, TradeArc Consulting. So No way, sick. Yeah, he runs a uh, a painting business and they, they also want to, like him and his partner Nick, want to step away from the tools. Hmm. Right? And, they've, and they were in StudentWorks and now they're a year removed from StudentWorks. So um, I'm excited for that relationship. But yeah, there's a lot of people out there, Austin. And like I said, the, the, the goal... Like there's some people every now and then I have conversations with who align a lot. Like they sound like they would fit in our circle attitude wise, but they like the business tactics. Like there's this mm. guy in Edmonton who just also joined uh, and work, chose to work with us uh, last week from Alberta um, who wants to like franchise. Unreal. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know, Patrick and I can help. People can franchise. you offer that? Yes, we can. We, we yeah. can do that. So, so, so they're already running a business that is self-sufficient and no 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 i basically explained to them step one is you need to step away from this business if you want to oh yeah yeah yeah. like for example i would say like john is in a good spot if he wants to franchise he stepped away he he just has this last missing piece of having a a sales manager yeah he's gonna figure that out then he can if he wants to he actually has the ability 
to duplicate that machine mm-hmm. into another city. And that's just going to be up to John if he wants to do. Because I know John, like, I know you you mentioned this and I want to ask you. You probably get a lot of, you've been doing this for eight years now. Part of you doesn't want to do the work, but you still do the work. Tell me, tell me more about that. You sent yeah, well, me a text message about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because what was the what was the exact title of that one chapter in your in your talk? It was like why you can't do the work, right? Mm-hmm. Why you can't do the boring work in your contracting business? Mm. Oh, okay, well, I, maybe I misread the title. Well, uh, I may have, I may have may have renamed it, but it's why you can't do the work. And for me, it was always like the boring work. But then everything started started becoming boring because I was so goddamn depraved with yeah the dopamine and so. Insane. Um, well, it's interesting. So like, so early on, like when you, when you first start your student works paying, like when you, like when you're like a first year student works operator, everything's new. So everything's exciting. You know, like your first job you're starting is like, I guess I still remember it to this day with Corey, we show up to like this $800 trim job, you know, on Curlew drive and, you know, unload the ladders, like go to the paint store. Like it was all new. Like even going to the paint store was like a new experience. Like I've never been in there before. Like I walk in, like. You know, you just no idea what's going on, right? Everything's new. So it's all exciting, right? And then over time, as you're running your business, you realize, okay, well, painting that, I don't want to do that. You know, like I'd rather do, like I'd rather manage people painting and I'd rather um, sell painting, right? And then like you, you run your business longer and you realize, wow, I don't really like this like production thing, right? So anyway, over time, basically as I got bored of certain tasks or I became more skillful in, in a task that I did prefer, the increased skill in the task that I did prefer, assuming that it was more valuable. So in this case, sales and marketing just happened to be my preference, which is probably the probably the best. I don't know if, do you think that's the best preference, Amr, for, for scaling your- 100%. Yeah, I, did, okay. did, I did a lot of thinking about okay, this. Okay, like, yeah, okay. In, in order of delegation, you want to delegate sales and marketing last because it's-, it's Yeah, yeah. To me, that seemed, that, to me, that seems logical, um, but, it, but it also happened to just work out that I think that I'm naturally a reasonable salesperson um, and, and I'm definitely a good marketer. So like I'm a, I'm a good hype person. So luckily- that existed so then of course as i'm able to generate more revenue you have more money to pay people to do things okay so then you can build up your business well i I remember like one year i was this is like i think this was this was the year i did 467 and this is so this is pre-jocelyn and i remember like having Corey in town one day and literally all day was me just driving around moving equipment picking up paint like just doing stuff and and I remember just like like just saying to Corey, I'm like, I fucking hate this, man. Like, like I, I literally hate this. Like, this is like this is not what I like when I when I wanted to run a business. This is not what I signed up for. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, this is it's one thing to like sign up for a job, and you know the job description, you know what you're supposed to do, and you enjoy doing it. It's another thing to like have this I like this like this dream of like running a business, and then you end up in like a certain role. You're like, oh, I just have to fucking do this. Like I don't want to do this, but here I am. Like I'm just fucking, you know, currying shit around, you know, like waking up at 6 a.m. moving ladders and shit. Like I didn't want to do that, right? But here I am doing it. Because it needs to be done. And I'm the business owner. John, that's it that's actually I trim that exact explanation into a couple of sentences in my sales script. A lot of people end up being stuck running a business and they don't want to stop. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so but then, but then Jocelyn freed that from me, right? So, and it worked out really well because Jocelyn happens to love 
doing what I don't like doing, right? And, and then I also love what she hates doing. It works out fucking perfect. Like Jocelyn, like the thought of her selling, she's like, fuck no, right? There's no chance, right? <laughs> but she loves managing people. She loves, you know, interacting. She's a people pleaser. She loves being the unique person that can somehow turn any, doesn't matter how mad someone is, within 30 seconds, they're like, no, you're right. You're, this is totally, you're going to be totally fine. I trust you. Like, doesn't matter. Like someone could go from like, we could burn someone's house down and within 30 seconds, Jocelyn would have them being like, yeah, you know what? No, you're right. I totally trust you guys. You guys will rebuild it. You're totally fine. Thank you so much for coming, Jocelyn. Like she would get you, she would get them there. You know what I mean? Whereas I totally wouldn't, right? Um, I'm now getting to that point with sales. Like I'm getting to that point where like here I am, you know, like I'm totally performing, you know, like I'm having the best sales year that I've ever had. And I'm sitting here, here again, you know, but I'm totally, wow. but I'm totally willing to do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not like, there's no excuse making. There's no storytelling. There's no, there's no fluff, right? Like I'm performing mm -hmm. higher than I've ever performed previously, but here I am bored again. You know what I mean? And it's an interesting predicament because it's, it's actually what I love doing. Like I, like I love sales, I love marketing, but here I am bored of the current state of what I'm doing. Right. And it's like, oh, this is not workable anymore. Like I can't, like, I wouldn't be able to do this for multiple more years. Like, like if I continue doing this, like there's, 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 it, it doesn't seem like it's a, a good, like I, I would have to, the only way I would, I would be able to continue doing this would be like an X, there has to be some sort of exit out of, out of the position. Right yeah yeah i can tell you right now you can easily reinvigorate that by not even just having a sales manager but having a sales manager just shadow you yes as you do yes. these things all of a sudden you'll get like that revigor so even if they're just like shadowing you yeah well that's why like i'm excited like you know i was i was talking about this actually today with trisha i did i actually am kind of a bit revigored in the sense that i know that um that I, I effectively only have like another $750,000 left to sell this year. But I also know that in September, I have someone coming, like almost reinforcements coming. And it's it's kind of encouraging that I know that, okay, in September, I can have someone mm. come. And it's like the thought of doing sales, I don't mind, right? Or sorry, the thought of doing sales with like with the, the person coming, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be so much fun, right? But it's the thought of just- Yeah, it's different, it's re own, repackaged. Right? Yeah. yeah, so I'm excited to train the person. I'm not excited to just like, cause like, Training them, I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, more favorable future, but in the current state of me not actually like going to the next level of my business, that seems depressing to me. You know what I mean? Like, that's like, oh, I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna stay here, like in this current state, you know? Yeah. But then you'll get bored of training salespeople and then you want like a a senior sales trainer and then you're you'll eventually the next step after that you'll be tired of general managing and managing your managers so you'll have a general manager and then you'll be bored of running that one location so you'll open another location and just kind of prestige you know like you yeah. go prestige mode like in call of duty we're talking about this really yeah that's a great way of putting it we're mm -hmm. talking about this uh idea of redefining your position every year right how can you redefine who you're going to be in your own business every year and that was a such a critical step that i don't think i would have ever 
taken if I didn't encounter uh, a, a program of people that are there to help coach me run a business, right? Like that's something that Patrick and Chris to a certain extent as well was just always year over year when I when I would make the decision to to re-sign with student works because I was there for five I guess if you include the years I was a painter it was six years which is crazy because it doesn't feel like it was six years but every year after year two when I became an operator we had at least a 30 to 60 minute conversation myself with both Chris and Pat about who I wanted to be in my business next year and what type of role I wanted to take on and what difference I wanted to make. And just that, just that 30 to 60 minute conversation, you know, just so helped who I knew I was living into, what future I was living into in my business. Because obviously, John, like after year eight, I mean, I'm sure you have conversations like this with Corey as well, right? Like what's that? who do you want to be in your business? You well, know, what type of person yeah, for do you sure. want to be or what type of, what type of role do you want to hold? What type of leader do you want to be? What changes? Obviously, it stems from the regular conversation of, okay, what do we want to do differently next year? But what you end up concluding from that conversation is literally just like a checklist of what things you need to hit and who you need, how you need to act differently. And um, yeah, it's it's such a powerful question because it's one question that you don't immediately want to ask yourself when things are going well. You want to keep to the same formula. But then, of course, if you kept to the same formula as you did when you had your first, let's say, arbitrarily successful year, John, when you were like comfortably making enough money to consider yourself well above water. And it was a, it was an amount of money that if you made for the rest of your life, you would never have to worry about basic things, right? That first year, the human tendency isn't like, how do I redefine myself? You know, like it's, it's, it's not like a, it's not a reflex. All right. And so having those people around to probe you and be like, Hey, well, for me, it's you guys, right? Like you guys are always like, um, like even when I was making the move to Rydell, you were like, why is that? Right? Like who, who are you going to be able to be there that you aren't set up to be here? You know, and we had like a two hour conversation about that. You know, I have to acknowledge that not everybody in the world has that privilege, you know, like, so yeah. Anyway, back to the original value here at the weekly call, you need a weekly call. Okay. You need people who are going to question the shit out of you. <laughs> what I started doing, yeah. cause uh, people are now joining the program. There's so we hit like uh, member 83. So we're like, Dude, that's insane. On, yeah, First of all, Amber, that's oh, insane, man. 83 people. You just, you should know some of them. It's like their wives who also like run their business or like business partners. So there's like sometimes Referrals. two people. No, 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 no. It's like, like the guy, like somebody calls, but like it's, it's him and his wife who run the business. Got it. So it's yeah, like so two it's 83, people, but 83 when I count, clients. It's like maybe like 70 or something like that. But, um, I started, oh, okay, I, cool. I started making uh mini groups. So I started seeing like patterns. Like I would like realize like this guy is working with his son and wants his son to take over the business. And there's like three. And now there's three people like that or something. There's right? like three people with that same scenario. That's there's like this, insane. There's like this guy. And now they like, have a weekly call. And then like I put them in this like mini Facebook group. Let's and, and go. Then I, and then I just leave the group. And I just like leave them for it. 
That's I, I don't so know what's sick. going on in those groups. I just make them, introduce them, and then I leave. That's, you know, it's actually funny. It's like Amber created the group, added XXX, and then left. No, no. <laughs> like, I, it, like I, the I, chat I log is so other, confused. I introduce them, and then I just oh, leave. Oh, okay, okay. That's so um, sick. There's like uh, all these moms who like also do the administrative part for their husband's business. No way, man. In the group. So I made like, like this little mom group. So there's like, like six moms who just like also run a contracting business. Yo, that's like, so powerful. It's so cool. I'm just right? realizing yeah. I almost need to refer you to my uncle. <laughs> yeah. So, and then there's like these guys who've gone he's got like the through... same situation. His, his, his wife, like it was so, it was so, cause they run like a landscaping business and it was so interesting. Cause yeah. like, they're both like complaining about how like, like invoicing is a total headache. I'm like, what? Like invoicing? Like, yeah, I know. I know. I know. And I'm just like, I just remember like, yeah, man. Yeah. So that's an exact type. Like I work with a lot of people who are a husband wife duo where the wife does the administrative stuff. They write up the estimates. The husband is on the tools and doing like actually in person making the proposal wow. or taking measurements. Yo, if Miranda ever had to do the admin work for my business, I do not know if we would be together. <laughs> <laughs> like straight up. That would be insane. Yeah. And then you have um, and then you have like single guys like in their 20s and 30s who are like are doing this to build wealth. I put them in a group. And then there's like guys in their 20s who are like just want to make as much money as possible. And, the, and they're not afraid to go to the door. Put them in a group. Um, or like these guys who have gone through AA. Put them in a group. She's like, hey, like you guys or these guys who have been in and out of prison multiple times. Like, hey, Yo, put them in a so group. That's so powerful, man. You're going to have so many of these groups. It's awesome, man. It's, it's cool because the, the weekly call aspect is so important. Yeah. Um, do you know if they have a weekly call like where they call each other is that the goal or do they just have the resource there for them they have the resource to like talk amongst each other yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean yeah that's a lot of fun so yeah man i'm uh i'm just gonna keep taking action and yeah. stick to the original goal i just want to i just want to be the guy in north america who talks to the most contractors year over year yeah i, yeah, I know i love that goal. goal it comes back to input baby that's that's it. all it is yeah at the end yeah, of the day that's all i'm gonna do i'm just gonna i'm just gonna talk to contractors the most out of any human in north america that's my goal yeah i was thinking just uh i was i was actually thinking on friday or thursday this week um it's so i'm so grateful for the ability to look at my new business through the lens of input and what i mean by that is if you look at my sales record of since january to this week like i said to you john average like there was no less than three there was no more than six right but there's a lot of extra stats there that weren't discussed there were some weeks where i did like nine estimates but went three for nine right and then there were some weeks where i did six estimates and went six for six and i just were i would i just i became really present to Imagine if I took my brain and my behavior and my default settings and who I was in 2018 when I started my painting business and, and the, the type of conclusions that I was forming generally and put that into this preseason, right? I would be absolutely beside myself. Like, and I'm not, I'm not under, like, underselling that. I would be so anxious and pissed and so, like, confused. I'd be like... How does, how do these results just kind of just appear there, but not here and all these things. And I just realized that over the last four years, I've just deduced through talking to you guys, through working with Pat, Chris, all these amazing people. I'm just like, yeah, it's input. How, how do you, how do you like look at the people who, let's say, uh, we look up to, 
right? Um, you know, for myself, I think I could name about five people that I truly look up to and that I, I, I try to learn from. And if I were to look at what they did when they were in my position at this stage of their career, um, they, let's say they accomplished uh, 3x of what I've done currently in this position. If I look at them, I'm like, oh my God, they've, they've already accomplished so much in their life, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm behind, whatever. But if you look at what got them those results, they, you know, if, if you take it from like a basic sales standpoint, you did a million dollars in revenue. Okay. What did the person who did a million dollars in revenue, what did they also do the most of? They also did the most estimates. Okay. How do they do the most estimates? Well, they did the most amount of calls. How do they do the most amount of calls? Well, they got the most amount of leads and then how they get the most amount of leads. They, they knocked on as much doors as possible and they spoke to as many people as possible. So really, if you break it down to one action, it's just like, all comes down to input, but I would, I would always reframe back. I was always just obsessed with results and trying to like, how do I get to X amount in sales every week? You know, like, and I realized now I'm like, if I just focus only on input, like I just have like tunnel vision like this. I'm just like, the, the analogy, the analogy I have hmm. is if you look at like, which, which uh, gold prospector finds the most gold, it's the one that digs the most holes. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty simple. No, I don't know about that. Well, it's of course it is. <laughs> if you're just digging, you're not digging random holes. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, John. Okay, let me let me guess. I mean, what, I, I let like me it. guess what you're gonna say. Let me guess what you're gonna say. What? You have to also approach this with the correct skill, or with with a certain amount of skill, and with the correct amount of like foresight like and planning things, to make sure your time is effective. Well, no, not really. But but I th I think that 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 might be what I'm about to say. But it doesn't sound like it. But but. And I don't think we disagree with it. I think what we're what you're gonna yeah, say yeah, might yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, No, I think well, no, I think it'll actually be the same thing. It just, it just didn't, it just, it just in my brain doesn't think it's the same thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, just just say what's up. <laughs> I mean, all things being equal, like if if you were to place bets on, okay, hey, you know, one guy dug a hundred holes and one guy dug one hole, and you had to bet on which one found gold. Dude, dude, I might, I might, I do, no, I'm not, I'm not. Like, I'm seriously right now, Ammer. If I said, okay, one guy dug a hundred holes, Bro. one guy dug one hole, okay, which one would you bet on found gold? Easily, the there's so many well, different. No, 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 I know this. No, I'm just saying, all things being equal, just which one would you? All bet things on? being equal, given they both have the a same. All things being equal also includes they have the same access to knowledge and expertise. I bet on the, on the hundred holes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there might there, there might be an argument that the no, guy who only no. dug one hole just found gold in his first hole, so he didn't need to fucking dig anymore. No, but but your question was if you were to if you were to bet more holes. We're talking or about probability. Goals, That's what you said. You, if you were to bet, so when you say that, you're talking about probability. If I was a betting man, I put it on the hundred holes. Of course, I can lose. Okay, if it was like a choice between like I, I'm I'm kind of being a devil's advocate here, but. If there was a choice okay, between cool. like three holes and a hundred holes, I might pick the three hole. I might pick the hundred holes over the three because three is like, dude, you dug three holes and you quit. One, dude, who quits after one hole? Like, if you dig a hole and you find gold, it's like you're okay. Done. Now you're implying all these different variables that aren't yeah, like, okay. you're like who quits? Back I thought the, you were just digging to, back holes. To the, original point. Yeah. All, the, the, the analogy I was basically saying is like, you just need to talk to more people. Like, you don't have to try reinvent like this. Yeah, yeah, go. Yeah, on. okay, sorry. Yeah. Where I was actually going to go with this though is that. Like digging more holes matters, but it's like also going to where gold may actually be also matters. Like 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're well, not knocking course, on just yeah, like yeah, every yeah. door you just walk by. Well, you knock I, on I the know, right doors in the it, right neighborhood. But like that, actually, like that, like that is an important point to make, though. No, it's it a is. Huge it point. is. I agree with you. Are you digging holes in the beach, or are you digging holes like near whatever sedimentary deposits, whatever? That matters. That matters. <laughs> I don't know how digging digging for gold works. But you want to be near a river. You want to be like, there's like certain things like that you have whole, to do. Like, do you guys remember like that whole thing where I was talking about like how like most franchisees like complain about their profits because they complain about all oh, their royalties are high. But then I always say, oh, you don't have a royalty mm-hmm. problem. You just have a revenue problem. Yeah. You also have a profitability management problem. Well, yeah. maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like assuming everyone manages their business to a certain caliber, then yeah, you would have a revenue problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually, we were talking about that conversation between Mark Zuckerberg and Lex Friedman at the beginning of last podcast. And I went and finished the conversation. And towards the end, uh, Lex Friedman asks Mark uh, a pretty interesting question that he answers in three stages. And his question was, what advice would you give to the people of today? And And he answered it in children, teens, and adults. Or maybe I think children, students, and professionals or something. He parsed it up into three responses. And I wanted to share this one with you guys. um, Because I think I'm interested to know what you guys think about this. So um, here, I'm going to just fire this up. It's already preloaded here. Look at me. Okay. Probably more practical advice. Um so I'm always very focused on people. And I think the most important decision you're probably going to make if you're in college is who you surround yourself with, because you become like the people you surround yourself with. And I I sort of have this hiring heuristic at Meta, which is oh, yeah. that I will only hire someone to work for me if I could see myself working for them. Not necessarily that I want them to run the company because mm-hmm. I like my job, but like, but but in an alternate universe, if it was their company and I was looking to to go work somewhere, um, would I be happy to work for them? And I think that that's a helpful heuristic to help balance. You know, when you're building something like this, there's a lot of pressure to you know you want to build out your teams because there's a lot of stuff that you need to get done, and you know everyone always says don't compromise on quality, but there's this question of okay, how do you know that someone is good enough? And I think my answer is. I would want someone to be to to be on my team if I would work for them, um, but I think that's actually a pretty similar answer to like if you were gonna go if you were choosing friends or a partner or something like that. So when you're kind of in college trying to figure out what your circle is gonna be, trying to figure out you know you're evaluating different job opportunities, um, who are the people even if they're gonna be peers in in what you're doing, who are the people who in an alternate universe, you would want to work for them because you think you're going to learn a lot from them because they know, because they they are kind of values aligned on the things that you care about and they're going to like, um, and they're going to push you, but also they know different things and have different experiences that that are kind of more of what you want to become like over time. So, Yeah, you should take one of that snippets and just add in the intro of our podcast. It's, yeah. almost, it's almost the same uh, one as Warren Buffett. It's Warren Buffett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, it, it is interesting that if I look back at every single person I've ever hired, I just kind of had this feeling where I'm like, yeah, I think that they're generally like a good person. You know, I'd, I've never hired someone that I think is kind of 
malevolent or doesn't have the best interests in mind. Like they, they showed up, they were very, they responded to questions very promptly and, and, and well, they were early. They seemed like they cared. They gave off this, like, obviously all things equal on the performance side of how to paint a house. The character was there, you know? And I realized that that's really, I, in, a, in the way that Mark Zuckerberg articulated it is I would work for them, right? Like if they, if they had a job posting and that's how they were, I'd be like, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in working with you. You know, mm. if I was looking for a job. Mm. Yeah, it, 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 it is an interesting thought experiment, really. Hey guys, Austin here. Just wanted to check in mid-episode and thank you so much for your ongoing listenership and commitment to the podcast. We have some of the most enormously positive data with regards to how long our listeners listen to episodes for, meaning we can tell the vast majority of our listeners listen right from the first to the last second of the recording, which in the world of podcasting is just completely unheard of. So we wanted to just stop in here mid-episode and say, thank you for being you. You guys are absolutely awesome. Because of this overwhelmingly positive data over the last two years, we decided it would be a great idea for both us and our listeners to launch a Patreon. A Patreon is essentially a platform that you can subscribe to to get more connected with myself, John and Ammer, and the podcast as a whole. So whether you're a massive fan of the podcast and want to get direct individual coaching from myself, Ammer, or John, or want to just have early access to episodes and chip in a few dollars a month to help us take this podcast to the next level, bring on more guests and provide more value, there are tiers that are built for you, I can guarantee it. If you wanted to look into Patreon, get more information about how you could gain more value through the podcast and really augment your listening experience, you can check out our link in our Instagram at the weekly call pod on Instagram, or simply press pause on this episode, go into the show notes, click the Patreon link and check out more details about the tiers we have available there. Thanks so much guys. And thank you so much for continuing to listening to the weekly call podcast. Now back to the episode. Yeah. So I guess the, 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 the message to take home for us is how do we want to give ourselves the reputation as someone that's desirable to work for, not just to offer a job. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like the, the war or the Charlie Munger. It's like, like if you want to have good employees, the easiest way to have them is to deserve them. Yeah, exactly. And we talked yeah. about that a lot with Ammer too. It's like, what's the easiest way to hit your goal, Ammer? you know, deserve to hit your goal, which is, I think, how you derive the talk to as many, contract, yeah, but talk to the most amount of contracts. It's interesting though, right? Because uh, in Austin, I'm sure that you now, because similar to you, I've also been reaching out to, let's say, experienced painters, sub-trades, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. The sub-trades I'm convincing to come on payroll, but nonetheless. Yes. Yeah, yes. nonetheless. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to describe a conversation that I have with just a generic painter that I bet you can relate to, which is that, they talk about how they, you know, when you ask them, hey, like, what do you look for when working for someone? Like, what are, what are things that are important to you? And, you know, why are you finding yourself in, in a position where you're looking for a job, basically, right? And and usually they'll say something like along the lines of, well, the last guy I was working for, like, he never really paid me on time. You know, he had these weird policies <laughs> yeah. where sometimes like, he'd pay me like two weeks yeah. late or he'd like, you know, like I would submit an invoice, but like, if it was even like a day late, it would like get onto the next, you know, invoice thing. So then they would like, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. be like a month late. And 
And sometimes it'd only be like half the amount. And there'd be these excuses like waiting for payment. And then like communication was really poor. So like we'd have a job scheduled and then like I would get a text message saying that it's no longer a go and it was rescheduled, but then there was nothing else in, in, in its place. And so like, I'd always be like short hours and basically like I wasn't making the money I wanted, blah, 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 right? And it's so fascinating because effectively, it's like as long as you pay your employees on time, okay, you give them a, a steady schedule of work and have good communication as far as to as to what hours they are working. So, I mean, just having an online schedule, you treat them with respect and you show appreciation. It's like you're already ahead of nine, like nine out of 10 of your competitors. <laughs> There's like maybe one of your competitors that's even just doing those five things. It is insane. But and again, that is shocking. Is the craziest yeah. thing. I had this one guy, he's like, wait, so just let me get this straight. You pay every two weeks. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like every two weeks, like if you upload a void check to the database, you will get money in your account like 12.01 a.m. He's like, on Friday. I'm like, yeah. Every two weeks. I'm like, yeah. He's like, 12.01. I'm like, yeah. He's like, and like, I was like, what, what, what is even like, I've never had someone like, debate. Yeah. like, I'm like, cause you say that to a young person who doesn't have a lot of job. They're experience. like, yes. They're like, oh, yeah. this sounds good. I'll just upload my boy check. This guy just couldn't handle yeah. it. Like, Wait. So every two weeks I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like if you submit your hours on Friday, one week later, you get those hours paid. Like, you know, in every two weeks after that, he's like, yeah, dude, that's crazy. I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually like normal. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because he was yeah. used to like working yeah, for had sub, similar conversations like, contractors so who would like pay him like once a month yeah like yeah that. yeah no and they're just like nah i'm winning or before you and or they're just disorganized you know yeah 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 so yeah well, that's it's crazy uh, just just to add like not to be nitpicky but you you also need to have a good employee as well you can't just give him all that like the person needs to be a good you need to run them Sorry, through a I was filter talking of about like the um Specifically good employees. About, uh, if you want good employees, you have to deserve them. I'm saying if you, if you, as an employer, if you pay your guys, on if, you, time, if you have the structure in place like that, yeah, yeah, like, like gotcha, for example, gotcha. but, like but I, they have to be, but not everybody succeeds if you just do that. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm okay, saying. Cool, this cool. is, you know, okay, yeah, cool. yeah, 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 no, 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 no. Um, but because it's like the inverse, it's like okay, like another way of looking at it is again, this is a Charlie Munger thing. It's like okay, like what are the surefire ways to not keep a good employee? Pay them late treat them disrespectfully, have no communication with them, don't give them a steady uh, flow of work and don't have an online schedule. <laughs> and then hell, even if you want to throw a cherry on top to like how to lose a guy, you know, how to lose an employee in 10 days, don't have any safety policies or any kind of safety concerns whatsoever, <laughs> right? Seems simple to us, man. And that's what's, that's what's always fascinating. Do you know what I'm really John, excited new with about? You, man. Yeah, do you know what I'm really yeah. excited about is that um do you guys like have things that you're working on that like like things that are like slow burns, so, you know, you may be working on them for a extended period of time without seeing results, but nonetheless you're still consistent and then when the results start paying off, you're like holy smokes, that was so worth it, but you kind of almost forgot that you were working on it in the background. And you guys are you know every day of my life yeah yeah okay so like so over the last like so like basically since i've started like like literally the day i started uh running my proworks franchise i've had a increased focus on developing relationships with stratas and property managers because of course i want to have bigger jobs that are because i i mentioned to jocelyn at the beginning of the proworks career that the goal was to eventually get it so that our revenue is more or less 
50-50 between strata and residential because I felt that we were going to be able to scale the business up uh, to a larger business because from a management perspective, there would be way less managing involved because as you can imagine, if you have like $150,000 job, it's going to take three months and it's going to eat up two crews. That's way less management than um, $53,000. A new house every couple days. Yeah. Every, every, you know, yeah. Every two days, a new job for, for two separate crews. So a new job or two, two new jobs every two days. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously way more transition and 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 it's, there's less uh, wear and tear on the business, let's say. Right. Mm -hmm. And this year it's starting to pay off. Like I've booked a $170,000, uh, job. I booked a $50,000, uh, hallway and like stairwell job recently. And then I recently just booked another $41,000 staining project. And then I have, a wide variety of smaller strata jobs that are ultimately leading to ideally bigger strata jobs. Insane. Did you just say $41,000 staining jobs? What are you staining? Like a forest? Like 80 pergolas. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, what? 80 pergolas. I love that. Oh my that. God. Yeah. But like yo, John, that's that's trees. a quick that's a quick quarter milli. I think I went and looked. I think I have $300,000 in no no yeah no i think it was 250 you're right yeah that is insane yeah but that's that is the perfect three, example that's 250 out of like 2.5 million you probably bid on or something no, no to be honest it's actually I, I went and looked it's actually very similar stats to residential but for booking percentages there's no way i don't believe that yeah no for sure maybe like well, 60, you have a 60% closing rate on Stratus. Yeah, like when I go, like, well, well so. Well, that's what John was saying. No, no, no. He's been focused on building these relationships. Yeah, like, so with the right? property like manager. Not, with, with these aren't cold. Yeah, there's this one property manager. Uh, I don't want to say his name because it's like, it's, it. but anyway, there's a property manager. Sure, Ricky. Yeah, anyway, we'll call him O. I have a fantastic relationship <laughs> with this guy named O. And <laughs> I would say my booking percentage with him has been like, yeah, 80%. Like, like I would say eight out of 10 of the quotes that he has me go do, I get approved. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And how'd you build a relationship with O? Just, you know, reach out to him. Hey, man, you know, because this, you know, Robert California example, I would say that um, property, managers are, <laughs> property managers are like you being a single guy in a room full of females that have boyfriends. Because like, you're just, you know, you're just building friendships. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I know you look awesome. Yeah, I know your boyfriend's this, blah, 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 blah. You know, and you're kind of just like chitting, chit, you know, chit-chatting with them, building friendships. And you're just... You're the dude who's like, you're, you know, the, the, the boyfriend's like, who's that guy? You're like, oh, no, he's just a friend. And it's like, and then you like look at him, you're like, you know, and then and then the moment, the moment, this analogy. the moment this fuck, this fuckhead, okay, he fucks up, right? And then, you know, O calls you, hey, oh. man, so like, you know, kind of lonely. <laughs> you know, so good. You man. just, is... you just lace up your sneakers. Unreal. And you're like, you know, because. Because O is calling me. Lace and it's like up 8 your PM. Sneakers. It's like 8 p.m. on a Friday. And like he like I, before I even answer the call, I'm like lacing up my sneakers. I'm like, I'm like, hello? Hello? And he's like, so you woke me up. Who's this? Oh, 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 what's wrong? And then you like start going through this thing, right? And that's basically what it is. Like you're just you're just like sitting on the that outlines of a wolf. Unreal. Right. And the moment that, that painter fucks up, you pounce on it. And that's John, how I've done it. You just this. murdered that analogy. No, but it's how so I've done good. it though, because Write almost every single one of the property managers that I have built a relationship with, like I'll give you an example. There's a $50,000 fence quote that I just bid on on Friday. I'm fairly confident I'm going to get it because why? 
the previous painter, when I say that it's the worst paint job I've ever seen in my entire life, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's an understatement. I'm talking like yeah, <laughs> literally um, it's like a wood fence and they didn't do any sanding whatsoever. They just took oil primer. That's like not even the right color and just started rolling it everywhere. But like also didn't even do it in any way that would make sense. Like as in like, there's like one panel that has like fully primed. The next panel has like one swipe. The next panel has no primer, even though they, all of it looks the same, right? And then they kind of like rolled on the paint, but didn't do any cutting. So like this, like there's like, and we're talking like, this is like a, a mass. I mean, imagine how much fencing you can do for $50,000, right? And it's just the worst paint job ever, right? And last year I was, um, you know, I was like, I was trying to bid on it to like, no, we don't need any more bids, blah, 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 blah. And then finally I get a call. My, he's, you know, H is like, hey, got this fence. I know that I was talking about it last year. It didn't really go well. I'm like, oh yeah, no worries. I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, send me the address. I'll meet you there. Any, anything you need, man. You know, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal, John. Yeah. That, and so the, that analogy so these relationships, just slapped. These relationships are paying off and it's just so gratifying. Right? What I'm getting from that, John, is that I'm realizing that the way I've looked at competition has been, oh, this person has already capitalized on this area of the market. I'm going to go spend my energy elsewhere. But there's a real opportunity that I'm missing out on, which is I should go introduce myself to clients that have already committed to working with other people because I want to position myself as being the one B, right? They, they found what they have considered to be their one A option, their A1 option. I want to be their A2 option. And I want them to know like, or I want them to know that I exist and I want them to know that I'm a viable, like as soon as, Maybe as, soon as that girl becomes single. Right? I would say the no, property no, no, for managers. sure. I'm not going door to door on roofs that have already been booked. But the property I'm managers saying, though, in particular though, I don't know. Like, yeah, no, property managers yeah, in particular, yeah, 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 big yeah, one. Yeah. Because yeah. they're the gatekeepers to, like O is probably the gatekeeper to, I would imagine, probably half a million dollars in painting every year. Like yeah. I would say the properties yeah. that this individual manages, probably at least at least half a million dollars in painting and staining every year. And yeah. so how much of that can I capture, right? And then, you know, you look at, not, so if you look at the total value of all these property managers, you know, you're not going to get all of the work, but you're going to get some of it, right? And they're just the gatekeeper, right? And once you become, you know, because, you know, because like for some of these guys, you know, like with O, for example, it started off with a $700 lobby job, right? And then it led to, you know, him giving me over $150,000 in work, right? So these relationships are paying off and it's just really good. And then also on the residential side too, it's it's so beautiful to see the branding work for ProWorks. Our, mm-hmm. our ability to price competitively on the higher end and earn people's trust, do good work and continue, like, you know, and just continue building that brand is fantastic. Like, doing quotes in neighborhoods where you've done most of their neighbors and they all had a very positive experience. It just makes it easier to book the work for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and, and it's, and we're only one, like, I, I'm only, I'm only finished one year of production with ProWorks, Right. So it's, it's going to be exciting, like three years down the road. Cause I was talking to Jocelyn today, about like, you know, we're, we're not trying like a, a big goal for us is get a lot more Google reviews this year. Cause it's like, the, like the most Google reviews, I think of any painting company in Kelowna is like 36 or like 40 or something like that. Like it's not like a lot. Unreal. Yeah. 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 Wow. A, a person who's winning from this, and I don't think he would mind me sharing this, but uh, Dan has been, Dan, Dan Javon 
he has been able to build a relationship with now commercial stores. So like Swarovski once called him. He's like, hey, like we have this guy doing windows, like screwing up. Can you come and just like do this like window so we can see your work? Does it once, does it stellar? And then the person's like, hey, like there's like these 20 other stores. Like, would you be able to take them on? Right. And then when you do Swarovski, you can go to Louis Vuitton and Gucci and be like, hey, look, like I work for Swarovski. You're just down the street. Like we're doing like and then it's just like that's the snowball effect. Infinite amount of work for sure. Unreal. I'm I'm realizing that for Stratas, it's it. There's a power law to it. Which one is it? Well, as in the the uh, like a uh, one. There's a there's almost there's a first mover's advantage, but two. There's also uh, there's an economies of scale almost aspect to it where uh, whoever does the uh, the most amount of work is gonna is most likely I think to get the most amount of work the next year as well and the year after and the year after right and so yeah it's the pe- pe- to people that have there's more, a compounding more will be given to, it, to yeah. people that have less more will be taken yeah no but what's the what's the uh, like the rewards for being number one in Strata though it's not like I I I don't think Strata is like oh there's two companies that have equal amount of Strata I think it's like I think Serta Pro in Kelowna does the most Strata and then I don't know who does second I might be third or fourth right maybe probably even less than that i might be like fifth right but you know it's like it's like one half you know like mm-hmm. sort of pro might do a million one person does half a million maybe i do 250 right or maybe one guy's doing yeah. two one you know i don't know where i'm at in that but it's like you know there's a power law there and it's it, it's exponential because the thing with the strata jobs is that they're such large chunks that like if you book the largest strata job in Kelowna, you just automatically get a large chunk of all the strata work period for the year yes yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is one of the advantages of running a construction uh, business, like or home remodeling business, is you expose yourself to those if you really know how to enter the commercial side. Um, like I was doing some reading, and uh, I was reading on Osama bin Laden and like his life and like how he was captured. And what's interesting, his dad uh, runs a billion dollar, used to run a billion dollar construction company. What Bill, billion dollar? Yeah, Osama Osama used to get a seven million a year stipend for just. He was worth a like hundred million dollars, I think, at his peak. Yeah, yeah, unreal. So, so the way his dad was able to build that is he would be landing all these bids in Saudi Arabia to do like commercial projects, and then eventually he just like kept building those relationships, and then the main guy just like really screwed up, and then the Saudi royal family just liked them. He was so consistent and he was like, you know what? They literally decreed that all future projects related to the mosque, the mosques, <laughs> temples, roads, and anything related to the government, he Unreal. would he would perpetually land those projects. So the company overnight would go from worth like 40 million to like 4 billion because like there's just like all this new revenue that's introduced. And that's how he became a billionaire. That's insane. Hmm. Yeah. So. It's like you sometimes can see some of these patterns like throw up. So, John, if you keep doing this, like you will be the main guy, right? Because businesses will shut down. Businesses will fail in management. Entropy will kick in. The longer you play, like I can't imagine 10 years from now that you're not just you don't have all the commercial work in Kelowna, like literally all of it for painting. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm realizing on the on the residential on the residential side. There's a massive first movers advantage. Like being the first guy to go through a neighborhood, get the leads and do quotes, like you just, you just clean house. Like I'm realizing that right now, like where 
like from a, I mean, not that I've like booked so much work that like there's no work for my competitors. Obviously, they're booking work as well, and like they're getting leads that I'm not getting, etc. But I'm fairly confident that most of the large jobs that have been booked are booked with me so far. Like in these in the in these mm -hmm. desirable neighborhoods, just from a yeah. statistical standpoint, like 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 some of the most prominent neighborhoods in Kelowna. Like if you go to the street. There's like maybe 20 homes and I have like five of them booked. Like, I don't know how many homes are getting painted on that street this year, but like if it's more than 25% right. of them, then I'd be shocked. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I sh but I, also I'm, if one more needs to be painted, you're also now more like social to proof. Get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, I have this like, yeah, like for yeah. us, we have, uh, we have, we have three roofs booked on one street right now and they all need to be redone. So like we're, our goal is to do them all. Like it would be insane. I, that it actually did happen like to me one time on mountainside lane i did 12 houses all in a row sheesh across mountainside lane though. remembers jm3 yeah yeah that's insane and actually you would uh the one guy actually i painted for he was an nhl player he oh was yeah no he was like 24 off all these nhl players like, that you painted his, for. his last name was lazar curtis yeah curtis he was like lazar. young he was like 24 yeah super nice guy that's cool it was super strange because like i was like i think i was 24 he was 24 i'm like let's just like kinda... yeah for all the hockey fans listening uh when john and i and Amber were in quebec city john being the little innocent uh businessman that he is was like yeah i painted for a few nhl players like actually i think uh curtis lazar shay weber do you know no, no, hold on. do you know um, um do you know who i uh, did i'm like dude what no, 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 i'm no, like no. you've met these people and he's no, like no yeah. no but i painted their house S very small jobs for some of them lazar's was big yeah yeah the weber yeah. was like a touch-up and it was it was i never even met the guy you know what i mean like it was i yeah. know i know but I do know. you know who actually matt lang did a job for a guy uh I, I i don't know hockey that well so but apparently he's a pretty big player his name's brent seabrook i think it was yeah yeah and uh matt like apparently like met him like talk to him kind of thing oh my god unreal yeah meeting brent seabrook's a pretty big deal hey, he's a defenseman right yeah he's retired now though okay okay well yeah, yeah but so matt lang yeah. did a job for him chicago blackhawks defenseman yeah um but uh you guys want to jump into some whack versus wise what do you guys want to do yeah I did want to come back to John. John, you told me about the... Uh, you asked me, oh, Amber, tell me if, uh, if, any, if that sadness ever hits. Or you asked me that last week. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had like a really, really profitable day on... Uh, it was like Thursday or Wednesday. And I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, to, like to get to this point, like, because I was doing calls like into the night because, you know, in the evenings, that's when most contractors are available. So I was like, oh, you know, I, I like said no to all these plans with my friends. But I'm like, oh, what should I do? Like, I just want to do something fun. So like I went up upstairs in my own building and I started playing like pool, like billiards with myself. I was like listening to music and I was really enjoying myself. And then I looked out the window into this other condo across, just across, like, you know, I'm like... 26 floors up, uh, probably like 40 feet across the window is another building. And you can like see through like all these windows and you can see what people are doing. And yeah, a it's lot actually of, insane. Eh? When the, the, I, I find it very weird. It, it was crazy. Like yeah. I saw people like scrolling on their phones. I saw people 
watching TV. I saw somebody like some guy like in his room with like neon lights playing like uh, a video game. Um, and then I'm just like, shit, man, the grass is always greener, you know, like part of me was like, oh, I would, the amount of money I would pay to pay, to, to just like play a round of Counter-Strike right now without it affecting my brain or my pattern, which is impossible, you know, but yeah, no, I know just like mean. this, this thought, this thought just like came into my mind. I'm like, why, why can't I just be like normal? You know, like, why can't I just be satisfied with a job? And just like a beer in the evening and just have a steady income. And then I caught myself. I'm just like, there's that sadness that, you know, that maybe John was talking about. And then I just realized the grass is just always greener. Always. Unanimously. It's like a basic human instinct. You always want more. You always want what you don't have. And so I was looking through those windows. I'm just like, it's like that show, whatever show, like they're watching on their big screen TV. That looks really interesting. They're really into it. They're eating popcorn. Like, that guy really looks like he's into his video game. Um, but it's these small things that, for at least for me personally, I know will will have a, a big cost. So Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, that, was, you mean. that was just so interesting, man. It was just so interesting to go through that. Because I remember going through that in my last year with StudentWorks. You know, I would, like, come home after, like, like full day of estimates on Saturday. But because it was a Saturday, it was also like a homecoming for Western where like thousands of people go to Western University and go drink and like go party. And I'm just like doing estimates, you know, I'm just like, ugh. you know, why, why can't why can't I just be a regular, regular old bloke? What's the experience but then, like when you do go to those events for you? Well, 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 I did that. Remember, like I did that for like six months after my, my year when I was doing that. I'm like, oh, man, like. I wish I had a business that was working properly. <laughs> I wish I wish I was making, you know, uh, See, more I, money than a ceiling. I'm of you know, the belief just, that, like... It's just never-ending loop. I think you can do both, but obviously moderation is the big variable. I don't there. know, like, man. I, don't, I really don't know, Austin. I don't think so. I, 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 I really, well, no, I'm, well, well, hold on. I'm, I'm not saying that you go and party, like, all week at Western or something, right? No, I'm just saying day, that, just like... Yeah, well, I'm saying that, like, I think there's a version of you who continues to grow your consulting business at the same pace and accelerating at the same pace, but that also is able to, let's say, enjoy an hour and a half of playing Counter-Strike on Friday at 7 p.m. I I don't think so. That's my belief. No, because I tried, man, because then that hour and a half turns into an extra half an hour on, like, Monday. I'm like, oh, yo, like. I really finished okay, all well, my work. Okay, well, that's not what I'm saying then. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. It's 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 impossible what you're saying. I think it's, it's it, for me, it's impossible. It's like, oh, only use Snapchat on Sundays or something. It, it, like that's, no, because I'm going to get those urges and my brain is going to be thinking, like the reason I don't play chess anymore or, or like one of the biggest things that I got from stop to stop playing all these games. I removed all games, like no video games. I don't play chess scrabble like i would wordle like all these things i just completely eliminated and what i found is all that extra mental energy that was being spent on solving those problems in these in these virtual worlds and virtual environments i started just doing in my business Mm. i started discovering games within my business that i would start solving well so but amber fair enough do you find that um, okay but do you find that some of the mental energy that was consumed by the 
entertainment, whether it be video games or whatever, do you find that a certain percentage? So, okay, let's say you spend, you know, 10 hours playing some, you know, video games, okay? And then you subtract those 10 hours. What percentage of those 10 hours do you think is now spent suffering in some way rather than being distracted? Suffering, like minimal, like maybe like 10 minutes. Like there would be like it would pop up, but it's like instead that time, because it all comes back to what happens when I look in the mirror. Like when I look in the mirror, that's that's what's that's why there's no more. Well, okay, like when you looked across, like when you looked outside, like in the in through the glass, right? How long did you reflect on? Wow, okay, hmm. ten minutes. It was just ten minutes. Okay, okay. It was like five five, ten minutes where I sat down. I'm like, man, like I really just want to go downstairs. What's your general thought patterns then on a on a daily basis? Do they tend to be more positive than negative? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. For now, yeah, because there's there was no like self defeat. You know, it's like oh, like I started my day by watching an hour of YouTube videos, and it just doesn't align with my goals and who I want to be. If I had different goals, that would never be a conflict. But I know the goals that I want to try and achieve in my early twenties. So it's like I would feel a sense of defeat. Whereas now there's no more of that defeat. Like you've read, you've read uh, "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins, right? Yep. You know the accountability, the accountability mirror. You know, you yeah. look in the mirror. What's your What's your general take? Like, just like a, a very short kind of, you know, what's your general take on uh... Goggins? Yeah, on Goggins' message, not him as an individual per se. I think, um, I think, I think David was very. I think David Goggins was very close in getting the perfect message. I think the main message he was trying to say is that you know, pain is important to your life to grow, but he, 90% of it, he was talking about physical pain. And I think there's like levels of pain. There's like physical pain, there's emotional pain, and there's like mental pain. And all those require practice. So like, you know, I sit down and ask myself, okay, like he's doing all these things, but like, he just like would nonchalantly mention every like couple of chapters, how he got like divorced again and married again. Something's, something's off. Like there, there's something. I was gonna, that he's I was gonna say on. one thing that I think that is very much been glazed over when when the David Goggins subject comes up, and I think there's so many, and, and this is not necessarily a David Goggins problem because I think that there's, oh, I think there's a the, there's a certain aspect of the listener attributing a message to what gate or attributing meaning to what David Goggins was saying. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're putting their own meaning yeah, yeah, on yeah. it. Right. And so it's sure, not necessarily sure. what was intended, but it's just their interpretation of it. So here's me doing that. I don't, I'm not convinced that you, it's a, like the, like the general gist of what I've gotten from observing David Goggins. It doesn't seem like a state that you would want to remain in permanently. It seems like it would be a means to an end, but his his way of being is not an end of itself. Yeah, no, he he believes that you should perpetually be suffering, or like yeah, trying. no, I know. Like I, yeah, I wonder how uh, how feasible that is in the long term. You know, like yeah, who's gonna carry the boat? Yeah, yeah he has some like, great. I think there's some, some, stuff there's some on excellent messages. Like obviously, like I've gotten a lot from his book and. And even just his podcast episodes, like I've gotten a lot of like, there's a lot of positive messages. hundred percent. Yeah, I'm just I'm. But I'm I don't ske- think it's a long term. I'm skeptical strategy. of the permanent, yeah, the permanency of uh, of his strategy. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a good long-term strategy. Just, I don't know, but like, hey, I'm, who, who am I to talk about? I haven't done Hell Week three times, or been divorced, or have been overweight. That, that was another question I wanted to ask for you guys. How much do you think personal experience actually matters to your credibility on an opinion? I think it, this is something I, I think, struggle. I think it significantly matters. Yeah, I think it matters. But I think you also need to take in the severity of the experience. So here's a question. What's getting discussed. Okay, so let me throw this example into your mental model to come to that conclusion. Okay. Think of a basketball coach who's never played basketball but is extremely successful. How is that possible? Repeat the the initial question. He has experience working with athletes. How much does personal experience – how important is personal experience – uh, actually matter to somebody's credibility and quality of in- advice or information they can provide on a, on the topic. I may have jumbled that. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think that it, I think that it's important, but not necessarily vital. Yeah, and and, and and I would say that most people's personal experience is more likely to be used as uh, an appeal to authority, which is a fallacy, than it is to actually contribute to their credibility. Okay, so okay, cool. So if somebody walked up to you, John, because you you did some of this on the Patreon call, if somebody came up to you, John, and was like, "I knocked on one million doors in my life." This is the best call script. This is the best door to door script. Would you, what would you think of that argument? Because that exists a lot. Yeah. So in the world. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because when someone says this is the best way of doing things, it's really what they're most, what they're actually saying is it's the best of what they're, uh, it's the best option that they know exists. Yes. Yes. Also assuming they're acting in good faith because someone might also, you know, have some sort of ulterior motive that I couldn't comment on, but it's, it's the best that, that currently exists. So when I say that the way that I cold call is the best, the reason why I'm confident in that is because out of everyone to have ever done the student works program, I've had the most success. And this is, this is the appeal to authority, but, but I've had the most success cold calling and I've most likely knocked on more doors than anyone else ever has combined mm-hmm. and so but why does that matter well it 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 matters because i have experience in that like i said i i <laughs> what, what do you mean <laughs> I, I i think it's clear why that matters yeah amara why would it not I, I, matter? yeah i'm playing devil's advocate here I guess. well no, but just but ask matter, a more specific question Amara, it matters it, it matters in so much that if we're talking about what is the optimal way to um acquire people's information who are likely to actually book with your painting company this season in a timely fashion my technique yeah. has proven to be the best that i'm aware of gotcha and so so yeah yeah so let me ask you this how many doors do you think you knocked on roughly Hundred thousand. Well, me personally or you know because because the, there's i've led a team as well you personally 
Because we're talking about experience, right? So you. Well, personally. no, but yeah, but, but but if someone's on the other side of the street, I can kind of, and they're using my pitch, I would count that as my experience as well. Because I've, I've okay, sure. Because sure, I, I mean, like, okay. I'll give you an example. Your system, sure. I had a, I had this guy that used to cold call for me, and he had a different pitch than me, and so I was able to kind of like learn from him. Like, there's some things that he did, I was like, oh, that's a good, that's a better way of doing it, right? I was able to cool, like, cool. Con, con, okay, con, yeah. So including your team members, following, you know, that. How many doors do you think you knocked on? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I could make up a number, but I would say... Just, just make up a number, 100,000. In total, um, probably somewhere between three to 500,000, my team and I have knocked on. on. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let, let's just, nice round number, we'll call it 500,000, whatever. Yeah, okay. I'm more confident in three than five, but yeah. Okay, the big okay, 300,000, nice round number. How many times in those 300,000, how many iterations on your system have you had? So like to have a system, it's like you had like different versions of that system. How many different versions of that system exists in that 300,000 doors? For it depends on again how you would word it. So like my team has tried many things before. Right. Like I've tried a certain pitch. They've tried a certain pitch. So I would say, you know, maybe a few dozen. How are they tracked? Like, were they just done? Like when you switch pitches, do you do like knock on a thousand doors, see the results of the pitch and then adjust the pitch? Or do you just kind of go on like a gut feeling? They've been tracked by revenue per lead. And, and total revenue. Those are the two metrics I look at. Total revenue, revenue per lead. So you did, the, so every year you would, so, so how would you, what's your strategy when you shift pitches? Like walk me through your process of when you say, okay, it's time to update or change a pitch. Like how do you do that at the door? Like how do you, how do you come to that conclusion? Like do you have a system for that? No. No. Okay, cool. So that's my question is like, if somebody was to come down and be like, uh, so you, you knocked on 300,000 doors, but let's say somebody came along and said, um, for every 10,000 doors, I tested a pitch, which means I've gone through 30 different pitches that we've tracked the metrics per 10,000 doors. And we have found over yeah, the course of Amber, the, these the, 30 Amber, groups. Amber, I know. I understand where you're going with this. I think that it's simply way too overdetermined. What, is it? what do you mean? Overdetermined is basically there's way too many factors beyond what you like. I think what you're actually proposing is a total waste of time. Like in the sense that it, I don't believe that you would actually be able to isolate all of the various factors. Cause I mean, not only is there the fact of, okay, you're actually generating leads and then you're actually booking your, your booking work, but it's like, there could be like a breakdown in your sales system that that has has not that's completely unrelated to the quality of the lead. So like I could give a hundred leads to a rookie, and you could give a hundred leads to me, and a hundred leads to Am or to you know to you know, five different people that all have all various different skills, and and those leads, the intrinsic value of those leads doesn't change, but the, but the, the quality of the salesmanship does. So. There's there's a lot of different factors here. I mean, obviously, my sales per lead and my revenue is increased because my skills as a salesman is increased. But I'm saying just objectively from, um, I, I I've 
I, I know some pitches that are used and I see how many leads they're getting and I see how much time they're wasting and I see how little I'm not. This total anecdotal, but there's no like there's no research paper you can go read best cold calling pitch. I, I mean, if there is, I'm unaware of it. But I'm saying within my sample group of student works painting, I would like show me a better example of 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 cold calling. Like name someone who has gotten more cold call leads and wasted less of their time. There's no I don't think there's a better example than myself. And I don't and I don't think that's a controversial statement. Like I I I've I've ne- like I don't think I don't think anyone in student works would ever argue that. Like I mean if there is then come out of the weeds because I would love to talk to you because I mean I w- I want to learn. But so far it hasn't happened. Matter of fact, I'd even go the reverse. Of the people that I know that have adopted my pitch, they're usually the best cold callers. <laughs> like if you go look at the, the people that have the most success in cold calling, it's usually people that are like, oh yeah, I'm doing John's pitch. So so how do you go, let's say somebody wants to come around and be like, hey John, I think I think you're on the right track, but here is actually the best pitch. What would you do? Let's say somebody came to you with that. How would you go about assessing the quality of that pitch? So that maybe you can. Adopt well, I would, I would, I would simply just ask how they came to their conclusion, and 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 if how they came to the conclusion sounded better than how I came to mind, then I would probably, I would try, I, I would try it out. How would you try it out? Well, hold on, just want to establish though that that you guys just came to an agreement there. I think, like, I'm, Amber, I'm, you're there's saying there's no disagreement anywhere. No, 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 not not an agreement. More like. Um, well, it sounds like there's definitely one way of doing things versus another in terms of how to accept information. Right? That's the point of this conversation. Well, Amr, I mean, if what if I mean, if what I mean, a better way of like, like I said, I mean, anytime someone says this is the best way of doing things, it's the yeah. best way that they know possible. Right? Yeah. When, and but and so what you're saying, John, that is that I'm you most have likely the... the person, at least within the student works community, that's best positioned to <laughs> have the widest I would challenge you of... with what is within what is within the student works community even mean does that does that even hold any value like no i, I, no, I would be say it the does though, community. because i'm specifically talking about painting businesses so you know anytime someone asks me about how to be the best door no knocker, i get I'm that i'm only talking about door knocking for painting businesses i'm not john i'm on that. the same page okay. i'm saying that if you're talking about painting businesses let's say yeah which i agree there's no point in going outside of that if you're talking about a specific pitch there's more painting businesses that exist outside of student works than there are inside, right? So just to like challenge what you're saying is that I'm trying to play to both of your points in a sense, which is, yes, when people say this is the best way of doing things, what they are saying is this is the best way of things. This is the best way to do things that I know exist. And that's what you're saying, which I appreciate. And I get that. And I think what Amor is saying is, if someone were to somehow experience measuring the effectiveness of a marketing pitch differently than the way your procedure got you to your pitch and presented you with facts saying, hey, this tends to work better if you change this, you're saying you'd agree if you thought there was merit to their argument. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's it. There's no, like, I know, but I think, where Amber, I think where, where Amra was coming from, though, was he, Amra was talking specifically about the appeal to authority that he felt that, that I was using during a conversation during on one of our Patreon calls. Oh, about how during oh. one of our Patreon calls, I was very vocal about, hey, guys, stop looking around, do this pitch. It's clearly the best way of doing it. 
and yeah i think and, that like they Amher, can take I that think, for what it is yeah i know but i think but i think Amher was commenting on the fact that how much does someone's personal experience play into oh, the argument oh. and i said that it matters but it's not vital right so and and the reason why i say but but i mean i would also argue that the definition of personal experience would also then would be would would, yeah. would be vital to that statement because for example yes. does someone reading about something count as personal experience like are you talking about hands-on experience like you know the, 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 we could we mm-hmm. could kind of play a word game here because Amber, i i would say that if, if if personal experience is expanded to you know uh you interacting with other people and learning from their experiences then i would say that that it's all about personal experience at that point. Now, if personal experience is simply your own interactions with the world, then I would say it's not very important. I would say it's 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 significantly less important. Like, and 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 the reason why is because, like, if if you like pulled a bunch of tech entrepreneurs and you were to like, okay, how important is each of these individual tech entrepreneurs' personal experience about you know from their their ability to tell you how to run a successful tech business? I would say. I wouldn't place much weight on their on their own personal experience, like as in their own hands-on work in their own business. Why? Because there's it, it could be so overdetermined. There could be there's so many factors that are so unknown, and there could be a survivorship bias of like, oh, like he was just the one dude who made it, and you just happen to be talking to that one dude, right? Like, so he's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this worked. It's like he's just that one dude who rolled the roulette table and it landed correctly, right? So there, I mean, the, the, I mean, so this is a very I think a very difficult, a very complex conversation to have very quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. You just picked up all my concerns. So it sounds like you yeah. understand. What I'm now, I think there's also cool. a certain level of genuine, like, I think there's a certain level of like assessment you have to make of like whether or not someone is appealing to authority because they actually don't know what they're talking about, or there's an appeal to authority because there's actually authority that's worth giving. Right. Like, so for example, if, if I'm talking to Bill Gates and uh, and and I'm like, hey man, like why why do you feel so passionately about vaccines? He's like, hey man, like you know, I've done my research and I feel very confident about it. Even though it's a fallacy to say, you know what, I'm just gonna believe him just because it's Bill Gates. I do believe that there also is some level of he has done his research. It's it's it, you know, I don't think that he's doing it out of. Uh, out of uh, malice. malice, I think he's doing it because, like, hey, man, I don't want to fucking explain all of the research. Like, I don't have like I don't have a four hour conversation here, you know, like, you know. Mm. Yeah. Amber, are you considering the fact that if you're going to coach uh, contractors to run to, to become millionaires, that you're going to have to run a business for a few more years so that no 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 that, that that was not it okay. i was wondering what what constitutes the best possible like like let's say somebody's on a mission to figure out the best door-to-door sales pitch how would one accomplish got that? it yeah would, you, yeah would you have as many conversations with people like john would you go out and test it in test groups you'd and have like to go every... out and test it but but i don't know like based on john's answer that doesn't seem like i don't th- necessary. i don't i mean look at i mean obviously you that's that's my question. Or not, I, I want to find the best. Well, no. Here's the thing: whether or not you test of everything, yeah, whether or not you test someone's idea doesn't actually change the intrinsic value of that idea. 
Yeah. So, so Amber, what, what I think is happening here is that you're saying, yeah, someone could go figure out what the best pitch is and not have to do a pitch ever, but they're remaining external to the pitch because they're looking for, let's say people like John or other people in different trades and different forms yeah, like, of business. Wouldn't that, that like how a successful biz, like a basketball coach would do it? What? Yeah. There like are, he, doesn't there are, to, he doesn't have to play basketball. There like, that's are my successful question. Like, how, coaches do you, how do you do that? that? Well, like I'm well, just, I'm just okay. I'm, I guess I'm just but, like very but, curious. But coaching, I'm curious coaching I believe, is very different. I don't think you actually need to be. Um, uh, see, here's here's I view this completely differently. Coaching, you can coach someone in something having no experience of the technical implementation of what you're coaching them on, right? Business, sport, whatever. You can just be an effective coach. I don't think you can just be oh, an effective well, door to door salesperson without I, I, any knowledge yeah, of but it. Austin, I, 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 I think you can appreciate this. I, I'm realizing, like, I mean, one, again, this is why it's hard, when you balance between examples, it's yeah. difficult. But, yeah. Hammer, the, re- the reason why I think that you can have a basketball coach who maybe um, doesn't know or sorry, isn't necessarily an amazing shooter coach you on shooting is because there's two different sort of uh would say domains that are at play here there's the one guy who's actually just training his muscles to shoot the fucking ball and there's another guy who might actually just understand the sports science of how your body actually like from a physics standpoint actually needs to move in physical space in order for that ball to actually land in the net you know trajectory velocity whatever you know make up some physics terms right so but just because a a guy who understands physics like you know the, the most advanced physicist in the world who can understand exactly how a ball goes into a hoop doesn't mean he's a good shooter the same way the other way around right just because like kobe bryant's a really good three-point shooter doesn't mean he's an amazing physicist right so it's it's two different domains that interact with another and you can have two different understandings of it right and that's why it's super complex when you start bouncing, that's it yeah when you start bouncing between examples it gets way too difficult to, as to why someone might actually have an understanding yeah. of something right because like because like the physicist might also have like a computer model and he's like oh yeah no if you just move your elbow down like like a quarter inch like i can just i I can see how that's going to affect the trajectory and you're going to hit more shots because you because you're hitting long or what i'm just making something up right whereas kobe bryant's like well how the fuck do i do that you know like like he has to now like somehow figure out what that feels like right you know that's a different thing hmm so how would you, because this is my, my ultimate answer, how do you, because I, I love door-to-door so much, man, how do you figure out the best door-to-door sales pitch? How? I would say that, you know, and, and obviously I'm biased here, but I would say that it's 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 less about finding the best one and it's finding one that is is good enough, right? And, <laughs> and, yeah. and so is, you know, because I think that the next guy that comes and discovers the next best pitch is probably going to be someone who doesn't have a lot of experience door knocking and he just happened to stumble upon a really good pitch, right? For example, I I don't even remember how I got my pitch. It just sort of evolved over time because I realized what worked and what didn't, right? And there's different, like, like for example, say say your pitch. Hey, how you doing tonight? Name's John with a company Fantastic. called ProWorks Painting, fully covered by WCB, $5 million in liability insurance, and a three to warranty in our paintwork. Have you possibly considered any exterior or interior painting this coming spring or summer? Person's like, no, no, I haven't. I no, no considering painting here. I'm like, 
hey, no worries. The only thing I was going to mention was the exterior blank of your home is starting to blank. At the very least, would you consider getting a free painting quote? Not right now, but at some point, I'll call you back. And the person's like, yeah, sure, for sure. And you're like, oh, awesome. What's your first, you know, and you kind of go in, right? But that line of dialogue, it, it's, it works for me. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't get people, it, it, it minimizes people who are not actually looking to get painting done. Yeah, so it eliminates B and C leads. It eliminates C's for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, no, I gotcha. Do, when, when you ask the, that first question, do you wait for their answer? Do you say, hey, how you doing? Or do you just keep going? Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I wait for their answer. Matter of fact, I even ask it twice if they try and ignore it. Okay, cool. Like, like another thing that I discovered is that the term, the, the phrase no worries is, it's kind of like a control alt delete for the human language. Like, I mean, I know I someone that, yeah. can basically, they could say anything to you. They could be like, Hey man, like I have dinner right now. I can't really talk. You're like, Hey, no worries. The only thing I was going to mention was my name's John with a company called ProWorks Painting. And like, they'll listen to yeah. your whole bitch as soon as you say no worries. Right. But if you just, if they say, Hey, I'm having dinner right now. And you're like, Oh, name's John with, they'll just slam the door on you. But if the fact that you say no worries, yeah. it's, it's kind of like a, it's just like, like, it's like a, it's like a, well, it's like just kind of like, I can I can explain it. I can explain it. Like one of the best, like when you're ever handling any objection, step one is to always agree. And no worries is acknowledging and lowering the stakes immediately. Mm -hmm. So that's why it works. But in saying that though, it's like, it's one of those ones where there is, say, there yeah, is, no worries. there is, there is a luck factor to door knocking. Um, for sure well, yeah of course that of that's course, undeniable yeah. and that's that's why i say like that's why i say it's overdetermined because like do you get what i mean by overdetermined no overdetermined is basically making conclusions about something when there's simply way too many different factors to actually make the conclusion you're making confidently like it's something like that Oh, it's like correlation versus causation. It's kind of like, like that, but no it's idea. even more so. Like it's um, like, let me actually just look up the definition of this because it's actually a really important concept that I feel like I've been, I've been using a lot um, over determined. Yeah. This might have to be the second installment of uh, Good Night with Austin. What are you talking about? We got 30 minutes. One second, no, one no, second. No. Determine, account for, or cause something in more than one way or with more conditions than are necessary. So... When, when you go out door knocking and you're like, oh, this one's way better. It's like, yeah, but like, literally, like, like the di like the difference could literally be like, oh, like this guy went door knocking on a night when there wasn't a Kona Rockets game, and this guy did, and because of that, no one was home during this one pitch. So it's like, you'd you'd have to control for so many factors that it would be overdetermined. I think. I see what you mean. Okay. Cool. I agree. Okay, let's just quickly bang out a uh, whack versus wise. Let's do it. You guys uh, like uh, British British drill? Did you, were you impressed by that last one or no? I was. You was? Okay. All right. Um, let me see if, what I can pull up here for John's beat.
So this song came out uh, two weeks ago. It's called Knock Knock by Tion Wayne and M24. There we go. It has 3.6 million views in a matter of 14 days. No. Here we go. Hello, it's a Glock, knock, knock, ping, ping, ting, wanna. <laughs> Hello, it's a Glock, knock, knock, who's there? But they wanna do shop, shop, new here. What are you gonna do? Stop, stop, who cares? You ain't gonna shoot that gun, you scared. Ping, ping, ting, wanna. Got an African girl that wanna. Even got a Molly that wanna. Even got a Yardy that wanna. Might take my Molly, get to the goodie, I might get freaky with it and a party. Step to a Habsi, back to the lag. Broski still trying to score. Vardy, you know I got love for my African girls, but I love me a Yardy. And I got one for the States with Nyashi, a real bad B like Cardi B. You ain't gonna be that shit, you're scared. I bet you won't act like that in the flesh. And I feel like Sterling causing pressure. I went round them sides, you know the rest. I got so much girl obsessed. What do you expect? Look at my neck, look at my wrist. Look how it lit me. Another big bag got niggas depressed. What the fuck have you done? Don't lie, when your brother get bunned. Don't cry, take a look at that. Take a look at that bum. Oh my, weapon in the right, cause eye for eye. Never eye bro, head down to the nine. Talk inside, he can slide anytime. I ain't got time to reply to bitch niggas. Up trying to claim they're big heads, but the science sticks are burnt for six figures. So she wanna chill with the big boys. Maybe come chill with rich niggas. Racks on the crib, let's renovate up. When I want pop, man, it's heavyweight. Beat on my up streams all last year. I'm a manager, I'm a anyway. Hello, it's a Glock, knock, knock, who's there? But they wanna do shop, shop, new hair. What you gonna do? Stop, stop, who cares? You ain't gonna shoot that gun, you scared. Man, I'm glad I didn't go to bed. This is a fire song. Actually, like, that was pretty good, sounded, right? Like, no, no, who's there? I like that. Um, let's see. <laughs> knock, knock, who's there? Shorty, what's up? New hair. <laughs> yeah. Actually, jokes. <laughs> okay, Johnny, here you go. <laughs> okay, pen, peng. Ting wanna, uh huh. <laughs> got an African girl that wanna, uh huh. Even got a Molly that wanna, uh huh. Even got a Yardie <laughs> that wanna, uh huh. I got Europeans signed in my tunes, no cap. I got Asians singing my tunes, uh huh. Even got the cops singing my tunes. In jail, I had the CM singing my tunes. Yes, yes, yes. Fill it up with gal till there's no more room. Made a mill. Made a mill. Still, you can get plugged like Fumi's. Bad B. You just want to shake it. Bend that back. Let's take that shit to the room. Uh, uh, huh? Heard a man got shot. Arg. Pile. Sorry. All these streams. Now I'm on telly. Mmm. Mmm. So when I back my shank like AA, AA, they're like Kilo Shield. Bow. I was in Ja, Tivoli Gardens. Crocodile teeth with rifle sounds. 
bang so hard i was shitting myself bra bra Ka. i thought he was dead on the ground bra that's so jokes <laughs> oh okay. man it's what's that guy's name I think his name was uh, Tion Wayne. So it's Tion Wayne versus Seneca. Oof. Oh, damn. Oof. This guy's dance no chance. I beg you to consider those Stoics who, shut out from public life, have withdrawn into privacy for the purpose of improving men's existence and framing laws for the human race without incurring the displeasure of those in power. The wise man will not upset the customs of the people, nor will he invite the attention of the populace by any novel ways of living. What then? Can, can one who follows out this plan be safe in any case? I cannot guarantee you this any more than I can guarantee good health in the case of a man who observes moderation. Although, as a matter of fact, good health results from such moderation. Sometimes a vessel perishes in harbor, but what do you think happens on the open sea? And how much more beset with danger that man would be, who even in his leisure is not secure, if he were busily working at many things. Innocent persons sometimes perish, who would deny that? But the guilty perish more frequently. A soldier's skill is not at fault if he receives the death blow through his armor. And finally, the wise man regards the reason, sorry, the wise man regards the, re the reason for all his actions, but not the results. The beginning is in our own power. Fortune decides the issue, but I do not allow her to pass sentence upon myself. You must say, but she can inflict a measure of suffering and of trouble. The highwayman does not pass sentence when he slays. Man, there's like three layers to that wisdom, man. Yeah, there's there's like there's levels. It's a lot harder to. It, oh Jesus Christ! Sorry. It's a lot harder to digest than uh, knock knock who's there. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. But I do like the one part is like, uh, is, like is, is just a wise thing, which yeah, is that like grunts. he's like I can't guarantee you, you know, basically I can't guarantee you success if you if you follow virtue. But I can but I can promise you that if you don't follow virtue, you're more likely to fail. You know. Yeah. I like it, man. Austin, did you did you start reading that book by Dr. Perry? No, I started reading a new book. I do want to read that book though. I have too many fucking books. I need to just keep writing them know. down. I can't read them fast. Oh, enough. that's fine. That's fine. What, what are you gonna, reading? Uh, I'm gonna lend this to you, John, afterwards, or maybe gift it to you because obviously I can't lend you books on the other side of the country. It's called it's, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance already read by it. Robert yeah, Persig. Yeah, he already read it. Yeah, I even read it. Dude, I didn't really. Like <laughs> it. I didn't really care for it though. You're too slow, Austin. It's it's interesting though because it's it's a fiction fictional novel, which is not like us to read, I guess. But it's presented in a way that it forces you to take into account that like it's communicating from all these different values that you can approach things in life but it's through the lens of a guy who's not mentally well right so 
Anyway, whatever. We can get into it later. I'm only a few chapters in, so I can't even really discuss it. But yeah, maybe maybe I didn't um, give the book enough time. Then I didn't I, like. I just thought the guy was a bit of an asshole. Yeah, he kind of is, but that's one of the. Like, if you take that book too literally, you'll probably get nothing out of it. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah. And no one's ever accused you of not not taking things too literally. So, um, anyway, guys, um, this was a great conversation. I'm glad we had this conversation. (laughs) That sounds like the end of an AA meeting. (laughs) Well... Thank you. Okay, knock, knock. Good, Good night. night. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> knock, knock, who's there? All right, good night, boys. Hey, listeners, thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material and just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.